The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. Just in time for the presidential elections, healthcare financial systems expert David Nordella will be discussing American healthcare today. Um, David's company, Provider Finance Associates, improves the profits of medical groups, simplifies business for medical groups, and implements business tools that optimize the cash flow and profitability of medical groups. David is a very, very good friend of mine that I know from Provisors, our networking group, very, very smart. And even though he services medical practitioners, I think that he'll have a lot of insight as to how this all affects the consumer as well. And it's not necessarily a medical practitioner um, versus consumer in these very, very complex issues. Um, there are laws and there are motions that are going on that really affect both the patient and the medical practitioner. And David is certified to help medical professionals, doctors navigate through this complex system. How's that for an introduction, David? Wow, sounds great. I mean, I want to know this guy. <laughs> yeah, well, you should want to know that guy. I mean, he's um, very, very um, relevant certification to have right now, particularly because healthcare has is changing. I shouldn't say it has changed. It's going through an evolution rather than a revolution. And, um, you know, there's, there's upsides and downsides. And I know that medical practitioners themselves have to take in a lot, particularly if they're either, if they're starting a practice. Um, there are so many medical professionals that have worked for larger organizations and hospitals, and then they decide to become you know, private doctors and start a private practice and, you know, they, it's daunting to figure out the landscape and you are well versed in all of that today. You know, we, we, uh, live in interesting times, Cindy. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of turmoil that's going on in the healthcare industry. Uh, not only are, are many doctors looking to flee from hospitals, but some uh, experienced physicians are also looking to move into hospitals. Uh, and, of course, some of them return again because they don't find what they expect. What, and, and when you say they don't find what they expect, what do you mean? Is this in terms of, you know, in terms yeah, of... Go ahead. One of, one, some of the turmoil that's happening right now is that doctors are finding it increasingly difficult to find financial stability. Now, I know that's going to sound incredible to many of our listeners, uh, but the fact of the matter is with all the changes that are going on, 
doctors are having a more difficult time uh, making money. And, uh, and that, by the way, includes hospitals as well. So you have many physicians that are looking to break out, so to speak, by moving into what they perceive to be the stability of the hospital environment. Now, what they trade off is, first of all, most physicians are fiercely independent, I mean, by way of education, but also by way of, hey, they've gained an enormous amount of knowledge. And for them to subordinate what they feel is a proper treatment or a proper plan of care to the needs of the institution rather than the patient, they just have a real hard time stomaching that. All right. You know, and people, we have to remind people, like you said, they're very highly educated. You would think that once you graduate from medical school, it's a no-brainer that you're going to make a lot of money. Um, but that, it, it really, really isn't the case today. It blows me away. In fact, many people who are going to medical school are, you know, kind of devoting their lives to, um, you know, the Kaisers of the world because it's easier right. to just have, even though the paycheck won't be much and even though, um, you know, not as much as private practice anyway um, or as much as private practice could be, it, mm-hmm. it's it's a safer route, right? Yeah, you know, and you, you touch on something very important there. Uh, independent practice associations and other kinds of medical groups still have enormous potential. Uh, you know, at, for the physicians and for the professionals that surround them. Uh, what happens is that a physician graduates from medical school without any understanding, and I, I, I say that, you know, uh, uh, delicately, but they don't have an understanding of what business is all about. Uh, that hasn't been their emphasis in their, uh, education. Honestly, they haven't been uh, educated for the most part at all in this area. And so what ends up happening is that the physician comes out and what was once a protected environment where it was kind of like a cost plus reimburse, uh, reimbursement model has been changing. And so, you know, they're at risk now. And there's understandable forces for that. But it's not a given that they're going to make money as uh, it once was. No, it really, really isn't. Um, and there's a lot of transitions going on. And why don't we talk about the transitions in the healthcare and health field landscape? And, you know, this might make a really good introduction to the rest of the show. So why okay. don't we go through what's going on? Okay. First of all, the way that medicine in, uh, is viewed in this country has changed entirely. At one time, uh, a doctor was there to fix you when you were broken. So you had a problem and you visited the doctor. The doctor would treat you. Now we're switching over to preventive medicine. The idea being is let's try to avoid you getting sick in the first place. Let's, you know, I mean, if they can fix you, that's great, but why not avoid the problem uh, at all costs? And so... How doctors are being reimbursed uh, is changing along with that. In the past, there was a type of reimbursement known as fee-for-service. And that basically was doctor takes uh, his or her costs and a certain profit margin uh, and is automatically reimbursed for that. So as you can see, you know, if they make 
uh, mistakes in the way that they spend their money on their practice, it's not really an issue because the profit will always be there. Now we're moving to uh, accountable care organization uh, types of reimbursements. And what that is, and, and you know, I've talked to some really fine attorneys about the specialists in this area. There is no one perfect definition. Uh, definition of an ACO, an accountable care organization. But uh, in essence, what it means is hospitals, doctors, and affiliated health practices working together towards the health of the, uh, of the patient. So what you've got is a situation where doctors are now being reimbursed for what they do instead of what they've accomplished. And there's a complexity of rules about that and tests that are put into place to make sure that they have accomplished those things. And so you've got uh, different kinds of metrics that are being imposed now where the uh, physician uh, will be noted for their quality of care to the patient, patient satisfaction. Uh, these kinds of metrics are qualitative in many ways rather than quantitative. And as a result... You know, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of risk built in. So, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna, you know, I, I was, I was just kind of agreeing what you're saying. I mean, well, I guess doctors are kind of held more accountable then. Yes, yes, and that's and that's the whole point, and and that's good, that's good. Uh, but at the same time, it certainly makes the physician's life difficult. Doctors are having a harder time keeping their balance in this kind of environment. Well, I, I would imagine that it's a it's it's very very challenging. I I I know you know a lot of doctors that you know are both doctors who have treated me and doctors who are friends. And you know, in my small sample of people, and you know the industry at large. Um, I, I just see a lot of frustration, um, particularly with doctors, internists who are in private practice and they entered the, they entered the medical industry and the caring industry about 30, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. That's, you know, that's when they came out of medical school and started their practices or maybe, you know, 30 to 40 years ago. Very different landscape. Yeah. Very, very oh, different absolutely. landscape. So, yeah. you know, a young doctor that did well in medical school that had a very good reputation, um, I, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer for them to be doing well, and they didn't have the administrative burden of, you know, all of this insurance protocol. Am I right? Absolutely. You know, you hit on a couple of key concepts that I want to address here. First of all is the frustration. Doctors are very knowledgeable, but they're human beings too, okay? And they are dealing with issues on a daily basis now that they have never contemplated before and really don't have complete answers for. And this is causing them a lot of frustration. As you can imagine, the dissatisfaction of these folks is going up uh, just immensely. Uh, the other thing uh, that you touched on was the fact that the uh, transition is so radical. Now, we have to understand what's driving this. There are forces that are driving this in our economy. Uh, as we mentioned, fee-for-service was uh, it was inefficient 
you know, for the uh, uh, way to practice medicine because doctors will reimburse on a cost-plus basis. Now, you need to think about who's picking up the tab for these services. Um, you've got a lot of government agencies that are involved with helping to deliver uh, Medicare and Medicaid being the most prominent, but not the only ones. And aggregate spending by the governments at various different levels is 45 cents out of every dollar in the U.S. And that explains why uh, the U.S. healthcare system represents 17% of our gross domestic product. Now, that's a huge number. The problem is that it's heading higher. It's heading up to 20%. And at some point, we're going to reach a uh, tipping point where it's it just we're going to be unable to continue making these kinds of payments. Everybody's talking about the various deficits that are going on and the level of government debt and spending, etc. Well, our healthcare system is a main contributor to all those issues. And so there's got to be a way of becoming more economically efficient for our our very good health care system to stay in place. No, oh, God, you, I can't agree with you more. We have to take a commercial break. We uh, will have more with David Nordella right after this break, and he's sharing really, really important information about American health care. So come back right after this break. which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back and we're talking about crossroads in American healthcare, And we have um, a certified expert in this area, my friend, David Nordella. If you have any questions um, and want to contact David, you could do that at dnordella at providerfinance411.com or check out Independent Practice Associations Group on LinkedIn. Um, you might have to request to join the group. Am I right, David? Oh, yeah. Um, all are welcome because this is an important topic. 
Okay. Um, well, I really urge people to check it out. David has really made it his passion. Um, I, I watched him become um, very passionate about this issue, and I watched him as he made it his priority to get certified in this issue at a time when there probably aren't a lot of people who are up to as up to date with these issues as David might be at this time. So your timing is impeccable, David. You know, uh, visiting us at Independent Practice Associations Group on LinkedIn, um, a good way to become more familiar with the topic. We're covering a lot of information uh, that's taken, obviously, our members a while to, to gather. Uh, you'll see regular blog posts uh, from my blog, providerfinance411.com slash blog slash, posted on there. So it's a good way to to kind of dip your toes in and become current on the information that we're sharing here. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a great group and I congratulate you for starting it. Okay, well, we were talking about, um, how U.S. healthcare is 17% of our GDP and heading for 20% and, you know, that's, a lot, and I'm sure it might be heading for 25% soon after that. Um, so what are the costs associated with our health care system? Because the American public really isn't aware. They are just frustrated. And I hope right. what the message is for this show is I really understand what's going on, and it's not the doctor's fault necessarily. And no, why don't you explain? It's, it's not the doctor's fault. And, and, and on top of that, you know, the American public is fearful um, right now. And, you know, look, we're in the cross-currents of a very hot political season right now. And both sides are kind of using this as a, uh, a mechanism to prod at each other. Yes, they are. They, they certainly are. And um, it's because it's emotionally charged, um, so it could be a magnet to win votes. But I don't think that, you know, we, we try to keep this... Uh, you know, a nonpartisan show. We, you know, I, I really don't want to get into political arguments, but the truth is right. with that logic, okay, it's, it's a very emotional issue, but I don't know. Every, each administration has something to offer there, perhaps, or solutions that they're making rhetoric out of, but the system is right. really bigger than each of the candidates, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, and by the way, this has been an ongoing pause problem that's been going on for 40 or 50 years. Uh, you know, this is something that has accumulated uh, by both sides. It's just, uh, this is not, nobody's innocent in this. And, and uh, look, I also take the uh, stance that getting political about this really doesn't help. Uh, those kinds of arguments, in my mind, generate more heat than light. And so why try to do is step back and look at these issues strategically and then apply them to the individual practitioner. Well, and I and I think that's what people, both the patient or the consumer and the medical community really have to keep, you know, their heads on tight with this issue. I mean, when I talk to my doctor friends, they'll always tell me that this is a much bigger issue than politics. And, um, Absolutely. 
You know, it's, you know, there's, and you're right, it's 40 to 50 years. I mean, this is a long time. We've, we've watched yeah. similar evolutions with our social security system. It's very complex. Um, so I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, the costs associated. Let's, let's talk about, you know, why the costs are high, why they are higher than the doctor themselves, what doctors can do to, help patients manage this, what, you know, government could do. Let's get out of the politics and talk about practical solutions, David. Absolutely. You know, um, first of all, the public is really uh, unaware of the level of the costs that are being generated right now. They typically don't see uh, the bill that comes in or they may see an after effect, although this is starting to change now and patients are being put more on the book uh, financially for their health care. Uh, having said that, most, even the healthcare professionals themselves are unaware of a lot of the costs associated with the treatment that they're uh, purveying. And I know that sounds odd, but it's true because of the way that they've been reimbursed by the, uh, in the past. Uh, examples include ways of minimizing their overhead in the office, something they never had to think about before. Are they doing group purchasing? Many aren't. Uh, that would lower their costs. Do they have benefit plans? And this is going to be very important to physicians in the future, attracting the right kind of personnel to represent them. Uh, how are they going to minimize costs on that side while maximizing the kinds of benefits that uh, draw key employees. How are they handling their own financial risks within their their practices? I don't delve into areas of personal financial matters, but there is a risk associated with the business now. How are they handling that? These are all, by the way, those risks very often become uh, costs, driving up the cost of their care to everyone. So those are, uh, in, in general terms, the ways that uh, costs are going up, and uh, it's something that really needs to be looked at in the at the individual level by the physician and by their practice. And are there any ways that the public can be more educated about this? Um, you know, uh, you know, how can the communication? Improve. I think that's a really important question is how can this be streamlined? How could there be better communication? Um, you know, is it a matter of doctors having to hire somebody in their office that can explain this? You know, that's what, you know, back office staff was always supposed to do was handle the administrative right. stuff. Um, you know, the front office would make your appointments and, you know, the back office would handle, you know, co- everything from coordinating surgery dates to insurance issues. Am I correct? Right. Exactly right. Okay. So, uh, but, so the doctor is really burdened because doctors really don't have time to do this. This is not what they're right. educated. They're supposed right. to be really dealing with your, your physiology. Okay, or absolutely, absolutely, you know, that's their core competence. So, is is the future of the medicine model? I mean, and again, I don't. I know you might not have a crystal ball, but you have the, you know, the education and the knowledge to maybe, you know, talk this out with some, you know, with some good information. Um, 
is it going, are doctors going to have to, are they going to eventually outsource this function because it's becoming too, um, you know, too cost prohibitive to have a staff that's going to handle all of this for patients? Um, so are there going to be larger companies that can communicate with patients, sort of uh, a go-between between insurance companies and the patients? Are the insurance companies going to have to become more consumer-friendly and take on more? I mean, what's the future of this? Because right now there's a lot of frustrations. I mean, doctors are telling right. patients, you know what, this is what it is, and we'll talk to your insurance company, and this is what the bill's going to be. And the insurance company is right. going to say, we don't want to cover this. I, so what do you see in 10 years, David, five to 10 years? Well, you asked a number of questions before the one about uh, what do I see in the next 10 years, and I'll tell you the answer to all of them is yes. You've clearly done a lot of homework here. Uh, the, the whole emphasis on a physician is going to be changing. It's going to be an evolutionary process, but there is a real shortage of doctors out there, and it's going to get worse. There are pockets of areas such as the Inland Empire and Las Vegas, Nevada, where the numbers are getting rather extreme, uh, and it's getting hard to find a primary care uh, specialist, especially if you're receiving Medicare or Medicaid, because the reimbursement rate is uh, has been lowered and will continue to go down. Uh, what do I see happening in the future? I think that what you're going to see is that the physician is not only going to be working as a physician, they're going to be working as a leader of care coordination. What happens is one layer at a time, within the medical practice, by the way, uh, you'll see, be seen by the person that is most likely to be able to handle your uh, your health care. Uh, at an economically efficient manner. I know that sounds spooky, but the fact of the matter is that if you have a chronic disease of some sort, something that you're managing rather than attacking, uh, some things like diabetes, you just, it's something you learn to live with and you've got to handle it, you know, on a regular basis to make sure that you're staying within certain trends. That can be handled by a nurse or a physician's assistant. That's not something that a doctor has to see you on uh, unless you start hopping out of uh, the trend lines, unless your tests start coming up uh, the dangerous levels. And so you'll be building a relationship with the practice in the future as opposed to just the physician. And the well, physician will step in any time that something looks questionable, let's put it that way. Well, no, I, this changes the whole way that um, baby boomers are accustomed to American health care. So, listen, we have to take a commercial break, and we are going to revisit these complex issues with David Nordella when we come back. So don't go away. And if you're just tuning in, please make sure to go back to the beginning of the show because we are really talking about important issues here. Don't go away. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. 
Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media trainings. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.brpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.brpublicrelations.com Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of PR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. I'm loving doing this show. We just need another hour. We are talking with about American healthcare and really getting into the issues of the healthcare business and what's going on because we have our healthcare expert, David Nordella. And David, do you want to give your web address to everybody? Uh, sure. It's providerfinance411.com. So all you have to do is think about providers, finance, and information, providerfinance411.com. Okay, a good, a good place to look at and call. And, again, I talked before about David's LinkedIn group, and um, it's called Independent Practice Association. He's got really good people, um, you know, following that group and really, really great, you know, topics and blogs and interactions and I really really congratulate you David for you know doing this because a lot of people are looking for answers they're not going to find the answers in the TV debates they're just going to get more confused right now um, yep. you know it's it's just a given and America American medicine is changing there's other places in the world that you know actually have been doing medicine in different ways um, where it seemingly works. And I wanted to ask you a question. Um, system, there are other systems like Canada that kind of were doing this model for a lot longer than we have been. Am I correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to go ahead, continue, elaborate. Okay. Okay. Uh, even the Canadians are starting to experience problems now. It, uh, it has been a very good model for them uh, in terms of socialized medicine, but they're, they're, they're starting to run into some of the same difficulties that we are. Uh, you got to remember, a lot of this is uh, driven by demographics and the fact that so much of our population is moving into an area, and the Canadian as well, into an area where they need a lot more health care than they used to. You know, when you're a child, you need your vaccinations. When you're a young adult, you feel free and frisky. Uh, you know, you don't think about much of anything, you know, in terms of health care. But 
people are moving into their 60s and older, and as a consequence, they need to start managing their health, and they need to be partners in this process. But, you know, if I might for just a second, Cindy, I'd like to move over to another uh, area that you touched on that I want to elaborate on. Oh, please, go and ahead. That's, that, that's the role of the physician, and um, that's evolving as we have discussed. Part of what you know, physicians need to look at is the fact that they, as a business, need to not only uh, manage their costs, there's only so far you can do that without destroying the, uh, the care that a patient's going to receive. The flip side to that uh, is revenue enhancement. Now, we're touching on areas that I don't go into, but I have a number of, of, of members that are involved in the Independent Practice Associations group that are. And, uh, frankly, you are one of them. You're prominent in the group. And uh, I really need to emphasize the importance of communication and communication by social media. And, uh, yeah, doctors, I... are, are be, doctors are being forced to do more and more with less and less time, and yet having that contact with the patient is crucial for them and the patient. A great way of handling this is through uh, social media. You don't ever, ever want to give individual advice. It's against the law on social media or any other form of insecure communication, insecure in, in the way of um, being dedicated to that one individual only, you know, password protected, etc. Right, but right. You can, make, you can maintain relationships. And, for instance, I'm a prolific uh, uh, Twitterer, and I know you're very active in that area also. That gives people an opportunity to build a relationship in off time when it's convenient for the physician. So and how do the, how do the physicians manage that, David, when, you know, it, it's, it's, I guess it's similar to any, you know, to the law profession. You know, the rule is you can't right. give individual advice publicly. Okay. Right. So, exactly. but you can exactly. generalize things. Well, for instance, if, uh, you know, the physician has existing uh, articles, uh, they can share them on a blog or, on, you know, I, 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 my blog posts go into my LinkedIn group and that kind of thing, or, or even tweet them. Uh, of course, that represents, a, a, you know, a risk as well, and so you've got to have methods of managing not only when that goes right, but when it goes wrong. And this is where I, I, I want to step up and recommend that people take a look at your book about emergency PR. Uh, by the way, folks, I haven't been asked to plug this, but I think it's important that people think about that because people react, they act in strange ways sometimes, and things can move rapidly in a direction you don't uh, think about. So physicians should be taking some time to think about this. But those... Uh, you know, along with um, patient portals where you can make safe communications with uh, patients, you know, on their time. Excellent way of staying in touch and building building relationships. Uh, and we and really really appreciate the point and the plug. I um, yeah. I think no. Well, listen, there are a lot of doctors that do this well, and um, 
you know, know how to blog about subjects without getting personal, know how to be inclusive of people who have questions without making it personal. It's just a matter of being cognizant about it. And, um, it's really, it's really not difficult. What you would say if you were speaking to a group of students, for example, let's say for the sake of argument in a large seminar, um, you can't give individual advice, but you could give, um, you know, um, larger group advice and trend advice. You never want to say anything that's going to get you yeah. in trouble. Exactly. And doctors are pretty, you know, I, I think that they, you know, maybe they don't know much about business, but they certainly know about, um, you know, medical malpractice. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I mean. Know, they also know that their, uh, that their patients care about them, and they also want their patients to know that they care about them. I mean, it's it's one of these virtual cycles once started. And here's an easy way for a physician to do it. I'm releasing an article tomorrow on uh, Follow Friday Helper. Now, if you're a, a Twitter person, you know what the follow means. It means somebody that is watching your activity. Well, it's a perfect way for physicians to tie into uh, their community of patients. And the Follow Friday Helper all you're doing is recognizing people that have mentioned you, recommended you, been in contact with you, um, and and just give them kind of a shout-out for that. It's just a very light, easy way to stay in touch with patients. But people like people that care about them. And when you mention these things, they care about them. I'm not a social media practitioner, but I recognize the uh, importance of maintaining these relationships so that doctors can make more money. Because quite frankly, if they get good uh, patient satisfaction scores, their reimbursement goes up. So there is an example of something that I'm not an expert in, but I can point people in the right direction. And, you know, if if somebody thrives because of that advice, well, they're going to feel better about working with me. Well, I think that's really... Well, I like... There's, You know, you've touched upon this... Um, several times throughout the show, and it's it's really intriguing. It's at the end of the day, it seems to me that if there's patient satisfaction, a doctor's reimbursement rates go up. So they're really the the patient really does have a lot more power than they think, even though oh. even though medical costs are skyrocketing, they really really Absolutely. do. And I think that's very empowering, and it's interesting, you know, we talked about that there's a lot of rhetoric and politics, but that's not really something that either of the candidates are talking about. And I, you know, I just think that if the consumer has more power, um, and if they are giving, if they are, if they have the power to rate doctors based on experiences, and insurance companies are reimbursing, reimbursing based on, you know, the, these ratings, I mean, the consumer should feel very empowered. Absolutely, absolutely. So you can see that with all the transitions that are going on, there are actually several positive things that are, are occurring. No, I mean, no, and, I, uh, for, for, and by the way, for the physician as well as the patient, there are a lot of good reasons to remain in independent practice. Now, you wouldn't know that uh, if you studied some of the surveys that I have that talk about patient satisfaction. Uh, it's an amazing thing. Uh, there's two-thirds of our current primary care physicians are either considering 
or would consider leaving the practice of medicine. That's how large their frustration has become. No, and I see that. I have, I, I, I see that. I have a personal experience with it. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I've had a physician when I moved to Los Angeles who is really a terrific physician, but this physician is in his 60s now. And he's just frustrated with the whole thing. I mean, you know, I'm yeah. sad because, you know, I adore him, but, right. you know, he made the decision because he is in his 60s and he married well, so he could, okay? Um, okay to just walk away from it all. And if a patient yeah. wants to see him, they have to pay. And he'll tell the patient up front that I don't handle insurance, okay? We'll submit it to your insurance companies, but I don't want to deal with it. You pay me up front, okay? Yep. Now, yep. I mean, yep. that's... By the way, there's, there's a model for that. It's called concierge medicine or direct primary care, UPC, and it's happening very frequently. Right, and there are and there are patients that will be able to afford them. Right, but there are a lot of patients and, won't be able to afford them. So right, and and here's another thing that's compounding that. Right now, uh, there's uh, something going on called the silent exodus in medicine. Now, your friend is repre- your friend, the physician, is representative of that, but not everybody is doing it in that exact same way. They may be working with insurance companies, but do they really, really need all the aggravation of working as many hours as they did? No, not really. So they're still in practice, but where they would have put 40, 50 hours in a week on, uh, you know, providing care for, for uh, people, maybe they're putting in 35 or 30 now. You know, life is short. This is aggravating. I don't need to deal with the aggravation all day long. I'll practice just a little bit less. But when you think of the volumes of patients that these folks are seeing, because they have visits every 10 to 15 minutes from patients stacked up all day long, you know, those couple hours, that's a lot less patients that are being seen now. No, it's a, it, well, listen, you've, um, it, it's just very, very interesting how all of this is changing the business model for a lot of physicians. Um, you know, and it, you listen, it's understandable. I, you know, I don't take it personally. I understand that, you know, this is the system. And now, you know, patients just have to look for, you know, primary medical doctors that fit within their financial abilities. And it's, right. you know, that doesn't mean, so that doesn't mean that it's not, available, it just means that the patient has to take business into their own hands just as much as a medical practitioner does. And I think that's an important point. We have to take another break, David. I told you the show would go very, very fast. And in our last segment, I told you, you say an hour, oh my God, what are we going to talk about? And there it goes, flies. Um, You know, we'll, we'll summarize everything in the final segment. I mean, I brought up the complexity in American healthcare and the impact that it has on physicians, you know, in, in talking about my personal situation. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about the developing shortage in primary care physicians and who will be providing health care in the future. And then I think we've covered everything that we've wanted to cover in the show. So don't go away. We will have more right after this last commercial break. (laughs) 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not. But she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back in our final segment, and we're talking about Crossroads in American Healthcare. And I have to tell you, this is a really educational show. So if you're tuning in now, I want you to go back to the beginning because I will, um, I will tell you we are covering a lot of answers, um, a lot of questions that go unanswered in this particular broadcast. And I really want to thank you, David, for joining us and sharing your knowledge in this area. You've, you know, you, you were passionate about it and you wanted to learn more and you got your certification. And even though you've been a financial planner for, you know, for many, 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 many years, um, you've chosen to become specialized in this area. And I'm so impressed with your knowledge. I want to tell you that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, there's an urgent need in this area. And uh, if I may, I'm going to go into the weeds just a little bit to to explain some of the complexity that we touched on. And this is an enormous frustration for uh, physicians and an ongoing one. Uh, They get paid by insurance companies. That sounds easy. They get paid by the government. That sounds easy. It's not. Because of the costs that are associated with providing health care now, there's a, uh, there's a system that's been developed called the International Classification of Diseases. And physicians have got to comply with that and comply with the way that they bill according to that, and they're tested on that. So you have now what's known as recovery audit contractors, and these are folks that work... Uh, on behalf of the government, they're not government agencies, they're private companies or publicly held companies, but they're working under the auspices of, of the various levels of government. What they do is they test the billing, and they go in and um, they will check to see that everything meets the mandates that have been required. Now, as we touched on before, physicians aren't business people, and and as we've touched on before, they're all very busy. So what ends up happening is that it's going to be 
the states made. I mean, it's just human nature. Well, the recovery audit contractor uh, gets paid based on the number of mistakes that they find. The government gets reimbursed for the money, and the uh, RAC, the recovery audit contractor, gets paid a commission based on that and solely on that. Okay, so they're they're uh, fee based uh, or commission based rather than fee based. So what ends up happening is that they scrutinize to an extreme level, and they discover things. And sometimes these are considered even fraudulent transactions. And and many times you hear about fraud in the system, and it's just somebody that made a mistake. But what ends up happening is that they do this with computers, and the physicians who didn't have time to properly bill in the first place typically don't have time to uh, respond to these queries and investigations that are going on. The money's taken from them, and uh, they have a chance to get it back, but they were too busy billing in the first place. And it, it becomes a perpetually vicious cycle where they end up losing money, and the uh, RACs use that as justification for going in and taking more and more from them. It, that is adding the complex in a big way. Now, that used to be an issue only for hospitals in the past, you know, because they had a lot of billing. Uh, but as computer models have improved, uh, and we did this prediction a couple of months ago, not expecting it to come uh, so quickly, but medical groups are now under the threat of the RACs. And they're going to be an even easier target because they, you know, if the hospitals don't have time with all the enormous resources they have, what about your independent medical groups? They have no time at all. So this is one of the uh, areas where, you know, uh, physicians are just starting to see it right now. There's been releases in the news, but they're really going to be seeing it in the future. And I would urge any uh, medical group to investigate auditing their own claims before the, the RACs have a chance to get to them and acting on them as a preemptive measure and then making sure that they're doing this thing. Yeah, well, it's become almost like, um, you know, having to have an accountant before the IRS gets to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I, I mean, and this isn't handled by a typical uh, accountant. It's usually handled by a firm that specializes in computerized billing and coding. But there are lots of ways to go through and review it. It uh, isn't as expensive as having somebody with, you know, uh, a ledger going through different things because it's all handled through computers. But it, it's going to be increasingly important to those uh, independent practice associations that determine that, yes, they want to stay independent. You know, it's, um, again, in, in conclusion, it's all very, very interesting with all of the um, growing pains that, you know, we are experiencing right now in our medical communities. Um, you know, I, I do see an upside for both the doctors and the patients. And the upside for the doctor is they could really choose the model that they want to choose as long as they understand the business. And the patient can really choose the model that they want to choose, you know, as exactly. long as they do the research. So at the end of the day... It's probably, there. yes, sure, there's a lot of complexities and there's a lot going on in terms of, you know, costs and frustrations and regulation, but the, the model is really ideal in terms of efficiency for doctors' needs and patients' needs, isn't it? 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I want to emphasize with you the upside to all of this. Yes, people are getting frustrated, and there's a certain amount of fear that comes into it. That's only normal. But, we're, you know, a lot of people talk about the revolution in, in healthcare practice. In my mind, it's really an evolution, but both of them put strains on the players. The best thing to do is to keep informed. And yeah. that's why I appreciate so much your uh, your, your uh, interest. And, look, you're doing important things, sir, to keep people informed. Well, you know, I think that we both are, and I, and you certainly, um, I, I congratulated you for your, you know, recent interests and pursuits and certification, but your devotion to social media certainly puts a cherry on the top of the cake right there, um, because there are groups where people could become informed. This show will help people become informed. You helped me see, David, you know, with a, with a professional veneer. Um, you know, how doctors are doing things differently to cater to different, you know, to different models. And you have, you know, one in my experiences that's the typical exodus doctor, and that's okay. As long as he's communicating that with his patients, the patients has to make the decision. You know, that's okay. Right. And then, you know, I have doctors who are very, very modern in terms of system management, like the Foot and Ankle Center in Thousand Oaks, of which, you know, I've had a personal experience. They are so state-of-the-art and have everything so, um, you know, systems-oriented that even your Appointments are confirmed online and what your insurance coverage is going to be online and they will get everything they can for you insurance-wise even before you go and have a surgical process so you know exactly what you're walking into. And I think communication, if this is a theme of the show, is really the winner at the end of the day. I mean, how can a patient cannot complain if they have to have a surgical procedure and everything is laid out for them before the procedure and what will be covered, what won't be covered, you know, what the out-of-pocket expense will be and what, you know, the insurance coverage is. I mean, what more can a system do? You know, I mean, it's really communication, isn't it? You know, you, you, you've uh, provided a perfect example of exactly what we've been talking about here. Uh, and you have to understand, too, that the physicians that are capable of providing that with their uh, patients are also doing it internally. So they're communicating better internally, providing a better service to their patients. No, well, exactly. Um, is there anything, you know, are, are things going to crack down in terms of impossible expenses? I think this is my last question and an important one for the consumer to understand. Um, there, there are costs that are very high, and I, and, and we'll finish up with this. The cost of, I'm going to use a mammogram for an example, because again, I'm sharing consumer experience. A mammogram is recommended and it's preventative for women, right? I mean, we right. know that, that's a fact. I mean, there are schools that differ in terms of how often you should have it, but more or less everybody will agree that every other year, you know, a woman over 40 should have a mammogram. And I'm just being, okay. you know, sharing statistics. So, you know, you, you go into this machine, which is an expensive machine, okay, for 10 minutes, okay, and then a radiologist analyzes it, and the cost is $4,000. That's not the pay, you know, that's not the cost that came to me out of pocket, but when mm -hmm. I the bill, it was $4,000. Out of pocket was 400 from Aetna insurance or coverage, okay? Mm -hmm. 
What makes it $4,000 is the question. And I know there's a, lo- a whole other show, but maybe you could. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. It, I mean, if we really broke that down, uh, look, it, it, first of all, this is where the role of specialists become involved rather than the, uh, primary care physicians. And, and radiology is a specialty unto itself. Um, so... <sighs> This becomes an economic issue in some ways. How many radiologists' uh, practices are there in an area will affect how much they're reimbursed. Uh, if there aren't many or if the reputation is so-so with some, others are going to be streaming in. But the flip side to that is that if there's too many people that are tackling the same issue, then that's going to drive prices down. Um Right now, I think that we're probably more on the uh, not enough. But, you know, that that's something that's, that's you know, add on to that, you're right, the cost of the equipment, the cost of owning or leasing the equipment is something that should be examined. Remember, this is not an area anymore where physicians are automatically reimbursed, you know, for a co- on a cost-plus basis. So they've got to start getting involved with, diagnosing, so to speak, their own practice. You know, should I buy this kind of equipment or, you know, or should I have something else that will do, you know, or or work in another area that will produce a return? I don't see a lot of competition in this other area, therefore I'm going into that step. And if I do, if I do, then, you know, I'll go into that area. I need to look closely at how to keep the risks and therefore the expenses down. Well, thank you for, you know, thank you for answering the question eloquently. We have to wrap the show right now, and I want people to check out providerfinance411.com or Independent Practice Associations Group on LinkedIn. Thank you, David Nordella, for such an informative hour. Really appreciate your time. Cindy, great. Thanks for getting the word out about what uh, physicians and patients can do. Okay. Well, until next week, I will... Ask everybody to have a great weekend and a happy Halloween. Take care. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an American Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. 